There we go. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Put your headphones on. <laughs> something is wrong. We have done something. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> okay. On the board, that button is lit up. Do you see it? What? Wait a minute, what? The orange button. This one? Yes, click it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, that's hilarious. We should do a whole episode like that. That was really bizarre. Was all awesome. of a sudden, I couldn't hear myself, and then all of a sudden, it's like the devil's voice. Hey, though, for future episodes, if you ever need a deep voice, <laughs> oh my God, that was terrifying. Which, which reminds me... <laughs> this isn't going to fit over my... The, pop them <laughs> in the back. <laughs> no. Kim, uh, just put the hat on and then put the... Well, I mean, that works. Kim... The little devil's voice. That could be the voice that we hear when we do our little seance at Kim's house. Oh, yeah. From today, we have five Patreons who have either joined or upgraded. And we only need five more Whoa, to do. We're halfway the, there. Yeah. And we're going to do Living the Ouija on a prayer. board. <laughs> <laughs> little do we know that demons already possess Shane and that was its voice we were actually hearing. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. But yeah, if if oh, if you need a little reminder, we're going to do a Ouija board sleepover at Kim's house. So Josh and I will sleep over at Kim's house. We'll do a little Ouija board adventure. And we'll we'll make a little video for our patrons. I don't know if it lets us go live in Patreon, but if it does, sure. if we can figure that out, we'll do it. I don't know. We'll have to look, see if there's yeah. a way to do it. If we can figure it out, we'll do that. But if you want us to do this adventure we need five more and how kim set it up because she's the rule maker when she randomly came up with this, <laughs> this i like rule. being the rule maker <laughs> thank so, you mommy <laughs> <laughs> i never said that before i usually thank only you, say daddy right. but thank did, you dad <laughs> did it sound dirty it did oh my gosh i meant it as the dirty mommy not the flesh and blood one get my stuff out of the shot but, Although, I wish we didn't turn that voice off. I was about to ask you, seen WAP real fast for us. That'd be hilarious. But, so Kim has created a little post in our Patreon. So if you do join, make sure that you comment that you want your joining to go towards our tin. If you don't, Kim will not allow us to accept it. Yes, she's very specific. Exactly. (laughs) Even if you upgrade, you have to comment and say that it, it counts towards the tin. We got to have someone that grounds us. I really wish I, I had to put a time limit on it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was a spur of the moment thing. That's the beauty of it is that you were just like, oh, spur of the moment. Didn't think about. Oh, I know. Thank goodness. Or we wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who do you think is the main host of this show? Myself. I told you he was a Christmas. <laughs> I told you. Have we met? I told you. Josh, Josh is featuring Shane and Kim. Yeah, Josh is like, is there any other host of, of this show? Well, I mean, look at how we're dressed right now. Hmm. Who looks like the host based on appearance? <laughs> no. That's true. And, I mean, people probably can't even see me if they're watching the video right now because I'm he dressed blends. in black. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably just so thin looking. I'm all just dressed in disappear black. disappear in the I, chair. Yeah, I know. I just look so thin. I should have brought him a hat, which I have one. I just forgot. 
It's a big Christmas tree witch hat. Speaking. Oh, he would look so good in that. It's like two feet long. So speaking of thin, of course, you know, we have our little TikTok thing and we post our clips of videos. So Josh, <laughs> one of the clips of a video that we posted, oh, someone God. commented and they said that some of our hosts should go on Jenny Craig. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you know this, Josh, but you might need to go on Jenny Craig because mm-hmm. I know dang well they weren't talking about Kim and I. I know. Mm-hmm. Listen, you guys, quit picking on people with eating disorders. <laughs> I see okay. a honey bun and I just can't say no. Well, and, and when I saw it, I was like, I know dang well they aren't listening, one. Mm-mm. And two, because we always talk about how much Josh likes his sweets. Right. And, you know, I'm all about poking myself. You eat so healthy I know. compared to I know, me. I hate it. I do need to go on. Je- I don't know Jenny Craig, but I know Daniel Craig, and I'll take him any day. <laughs> I any mean, day. you might have a fight on your hands with that one because he though. is a very nice looking. <laughs> Calm down, guys. Calm down. But when I saw the comment, at first I was like, man, you know, that should hurt my feelings. But then I thought, you know, that has nothing to do with me. Mm-mm. You know, when people like say things to hurt you. Like, when I first started podcasting, those type of comments would get to me. There was a video a while back, and I'll post a a link to the YouTube video that Kim and I had done. It was an old Hometown History episode on uh, the origins of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. So Kim and I went to a graveyard where L. Baum's niece, Dorothy, is buried, and that's where he came up with the name Dorothy. So we went out to Illinois to the graveyard where the niece is buried so i could do the hometown history story shane's a friend of dorothy (laughs) right and so i was so excited it was the first episode that i had ever filmed and it was just going to be a unique experience so kim and i had a lot of fun and we put together the video and all these people started commenting about not how much they liked the video but about my weight and i remember like one of the comments someone was like you know if you don't eat for a week you could feed a third world country And all those comments, I know, like they were just to the extreme. And I just thought at the time it did hurt my feelings. And I thought I'm never doing a video again. And I hadn't, I had never done a video and any video projects. I would just, like, just not say that I didn't want to do it because I was overweight, but that was the reason I didn't want to do it. But like when you have so many comments like that, it does like get to you and impacts you. And even like when you don't think about it, it does impact you. Oh, yeah. But when I saw that comment, I was just like, you know, I laughed at it and I realized that I'm at the point in my life that his comment and anyone who has an opinion about me, that's not about like that doesn't impact me. Although the comment was about me, like people's opinions, that's none of my business. What other people think of me is none of my business. None of my business. And the person that made that Jenny Gray comment, their name was like Pat Fussy. (laughs) Yeah. And ain't ain't a way in hell I'm taking a microsecond out of my short life to worry about what someone with Pat Fussy. You know that had to have been a 12-year-old boy. It had to have been. Or a 38-year-old man. Who hates themselves mm -hmm. and lives at mommy's house. Right. But, But listen, but it did remind me of a good story, and I love a good story. So Kim and I were going out to do a a press conference for the Redhead Murders that I had covered on Top Play. And Kim and I were at this hotel out in Tennessee, this real small town. So I'm in my room. I know. I know. Real fun town. 
And so Kim and I were at this hotel. I'm in my room. Kim went to go to breakfast, and I was still staying in my room. I wasn't feeling too good. So Kim texts me, and she goes, whatever you do, do not leave that hotel room. And she was like, I'll take one for the team. Don't send help or something like that. SOS. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? It's the clan. (laughs) That's all my I'd be running down there at the shower bar. No, actually, my first reaction wasn't like, don't worry, Kim, I'm your knight in shining armor. It was like, okay, lock the door. (laughs) (laughs) You know, okay, whatever you say. Grabbing the sheets, shimmering down this window. But it was so funny because it was a Weight Watchers convention. They were having it. Yeah, they were having a Weight Watchers meeting in the. It was in the breakfast room. (laughs) I know, right? You really want all them eggs? (laughs) Kim was like... I was like, man, don't come down here. Don't come down here. (laughs) She was like... I would have got extra. (laughs) What am I skinny ass? Come down there below. (laughs) How y'all doing? Calories. Kim Kim was like, if they catch us, they're not going to let us leave. (laughs) It's like a cult. They're going to pull us in. You're going to be on their commercials. I know. But it was so funny. So Kim and I was rolling about that. Since you brought up the video of when we did Dorothy. Yeah. Have you ever told Josh what you did? Did I tell you? You know how I love a good prank. And sometimes I like to like let it sit. What'd you do to Kim? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what. I know. You ain't got to tell me. (laughs) So we get to this nice hotel in Bloomington, Illinois. Beautiful hotel. And I mean, it's just a, it was a nice hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in Indiana was it at the nice? time. Yeah, it was nice. It was a real nice hotel. It was a real <laughs> nice hotel. It was nice. Anyway, so we were at this nice hotel, Josh. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So anyway, so Kim was still out handling with our equipment and stuff. And so I go ahead and go inside. But we had two people who were coming in to do the filming for our video. So I went ahead, went in and checked in. And the guy asked, are you here for business or pleasure? And I said, business. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, what type of business are you here for? Well. Pimp. Listen, I don't know. Okay, I'll I'll be honest with you, Josh. Normally when I would tell people, I would lie. And I would say, I told them podcast and he just misunderstood. But I told him Pornhub <laughs> and not podcast. I said Pornhub and he looked up at me and he's like, okay. And so he wrote down Pornhub, right? Okay. And I thought this is going to pay off great because I knew that there was going to be cameras and stuff coming in. Oh, God. So next thing you know, Kim's coming in with all of our filming equipment for the hotel room. <sighs> and the guy looks up at her, looks at me, and he's just smiling away. And then, you know, I was by the look of him, you knew that he was just waiting to tell the other employees what was going on. He couldn't wait. You could yeah. just see it written all over his face. So we get up to the hotel room, right? And Kim had pre-called ahead and make sure that their pool was open, you know, because like when we're not filming. It's closed. That's right. what <laughs> happened. She went down and she double-checked to see what time that they had closed. And they're like, oh, we had to close it down for extra cleaning. Y'all ain't doing nothing. Mm. Yes. It was right yeah. after COVID. Yeah. So. 
they ended up closing it down for the entire duration of our stay. But we How kept convenient. getting these really weird looks as I was bringing things in and out. You know, yeah, and they were just watching. And I get up to the room. I said, "What did you do?" About housekeeping, like, what? what was going through everything? Uh, like, what they got in here? So, like, if people watch the video, you'll notice that they filmed me entering and leaving the hotel oh, for the story. Their and hotel so is going to be on the, the yeah. The employees were just watching this, thinking, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know that they were there were some business going on." And out of the four people who were there, they noticed that I'm being filmed. And the other two people are holding cameras and equipment. And they also noticed that Kim wasn't holding any camera and equipment. She's so a star. I know. They mm-hmm. thought that Kim and I were the uh, main the attractions. Housekeeping. <laughs> we need some extra sheets in their room. So it was a nice little payoff. But it was so funny because every time we walked down there, like everyone got real quiet. All the employees, they were just like, watch us. It was just, uh We are fun to travel great. with. great. We never know what Shane's going to do. Kim's always the stable one of the group, keeping us in check and everything. That's because she's so much older than you guys. Somebody, <laughs> Only so a few much. decades. Somebody so has much. to keep you guys in line. I love it. If I'm in a store by myself or something and someone talks to me, I'll pretend like I have a different accent. <laughs> you can be anybody you want on vacation. Sometimes I'll pretend I'm straight. Usually if it's an old woman, I'll be like, how you doing, darling? <laughs> Except one time I did that at Cracker Barrel. I held the door open for a cute little tiny gray-haired woman, just adorable as could be. And I held it open for her like Grandma taught me. And that old lady reached around and gave me a reach around. Oh, my God. (laughs) I looked around like I felt victimized. And I looked around like, and people had watched and they were just like, Good for her. <laughs> she just you know, she looked back at me too, like no one will believe you. Henry, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I want to be the same hilarious. way. <laughs> Woo! Can just you just start doing that with consent? You're at that I'm age. Not, no, I'm not. I'm not old enough for <laughs> to be able to get away with that. Mm-mm. She gotta look feeble. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years though. <laughs> I need a walker and or a cane at least. I'm going to be such an ornery old man. I just know it. Mm, I, I don't. That. I ain't in a rush, but I'm going to be a good time. I'm going to be a good time. So, Kim, do you know what Josh did to me the other day? What did Josh are, do to you? We are sitting in the office. I'm minding my own business. And out of nowhere, he's messing around the cabinets. And he, <laughs> he looks at this oatmeal and he goes, hey, do you want some of this oatmeal? And I was like. Uh, no. And he's like, it has extra fiber in it. <laughs> and I looked at him, and for the rest of the day, I couldn't eat anything. <laughs> like, Appetite why, gone. Tell yeah. me why. Tell so, me why. Josh, Would... do you know this story? Oh, of course I know this okay. story. Okay. <laughs> so, my body shuts down at the mere mention of fiber. Well, why is in that? In fact, if I even buy something at the store, which happens to me all the time, I'll get home. And I didn't notice that it says, like, it has a little sticker or a little sign on it, marketing scheme, that says extra fiber. Garbage. Trash. (laughs) Throw it in the trash because I can't eat it. Okay. So Kim and I have mentioned that we used to work together at this place called Hell. 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 Which ironically, push the button, Kim. The orange one. (sighs) There. We worked at hell. That's a good button to know. 
I want to see what my voice wonder, sounds like. Makes sounds me like wonder helium. what the other ones do. We'll try that in our next episode. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll figure out what the other ones do. Okay, anyway. So it was at a big place, huge building. And Kim and I both worked at this place. Although at the time, we didn't know each other because it was such a big place. I didn't even see her. She didn't see me. And there was three bathrooms at this huge place. And they were under renovations at this time. And I was it was on a Friday. And I was working over. And, you know... By the looks of me, for anyone who has watched a video, and we have talked about this before, I'm a little overweight, and I'm not the healthiest person. I don't know a whole lot about, like... Exercise, we don't know her. Well, <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I also don't know a whole lot about, like, what vitamins are good for you. Oh, yeah. But, like, I've heard that some things are good for you and, like, what's not good for you, you know? Grandma's always putting vitamin C, those big old orange chewables yeah. here. But, you know, like, Grandma used to also say some silly things that <laughs> turned out not to be true. Right. Like, I remember very clearly Grandma once told me, oh, well, you know, if you have a Coke every once in a while, it'll flush all the poisons out of you. And get rid of the worms. Yeah. Grandma, that's not true. Coke is poison. <laughs> you know, you also use that to flush out all the acid off of batteries. And your mm. teeth. Yeah. You can also pour it on your windshield to eat the crud off of your windshield. I believe that. It'll pretty much dissolve anything, including mm -hmm. your insides. But anyway, okay, but listen. Okay, so this day I was working over. I hadn't eaten anything that day yet. Well, one of my thin fit friends was sitting next to me. Real nice friend. Her name is Allison. Allison had gone to one of those stores that you buy things in bulk. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I have some of these things that I had gotten from the store. They're my Carl Kitchison. Oh, granola bars. Yeah, that's what, that's what she described them as, granola bars. And she's like, I have a whole thing of them in my car. You want some? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she goes out and she gets these big old things. And she said they're called Fiber One Bars. And I was like, oh, I never had one of those before. And she said, oh, well, they have fiber in them. They're good for you. And I thought, oh, good. She's like, well, do you like granola bars? I love granola bars. <laughs> She's Delicious. like, well, here you go. There's a whole box of them. Help yourself. Yeah, there's like, I don't know, like 15 of them in a that's box. It's one of those bulk. Yeah, there's <laughs> a box of them. There's like 15, 16 in a box. <laughs> so I'm sitting at my desk. Again, I hadn't eaten anything. So you know how it works. You know, I'm sitting there just open one of those Healthy bars, right. as I knew it. Like eating air. Yeah. <laughs> Just munching away. Before I knew it, Josh, I had 12, 13 of them. You know, just periodically yeah, here and there. breakfast and lunch. <laughs> over know. a couple hours. Yeah, you know, here and there. They're not big. They're small bars, you I know. Mean, I've eaten a whole bag of Halloween candy in one <laughs> sitting. I am not yeah. here to judge. And I hadn't eaten that day. And I thought, oh, perfect. I don't have to take a lunch break. I'm going to make money off ah, this. These were bonus. free. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had also told us at the beginning of the shift that because that they were doing some renovations on the building that just to be aware that some renovations were going on. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I'm talking to some friends, you know, quote unquote, working hard. Gonna act you know? it out while he talks. Yeah. So before I knew it, Josh, all of a sudden I hear this weird noise and it was a, <laughs> can't push the button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like, Josh. And I was like, oh, my God, what's that sound? Is the ceiling caving in? What is that noise? 
And then I a realized, break or something? yeah, after a couple of times, I realized that's coming from my stomach. I was just like, well, that's weird. It's just noises, but that's not, that's nothing just weird. Gas. Yeah, it's just gassy, whatever. You know, who cares? But then I, I started getting some sweats. Yeah, I bet. You know, I started sweating and that was weird. You know, I'm sweating and making noises and it's just so weird, you know? Well, all of a sudden I, I was talking to two friends, Allison, I think it was my friend Darla. Darla, Darla, Darla. And all of a sudden made conversation. I mean, I think I was telling the story like I'm telling you right now. I just went dead face and I was just like, oh, guys, I'll be right back. And I like threw everything down. I mean, I was, I was. The hell out of the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I ever so casually <laughs> ran as fast as I could wobble. Because, you know, I realized that something was going to go down and it was almost going to be too late. So I get to the bathroom, right? And thankfully, I know. And thankfully, Josh, heaven answered my prayers. Thank you, Jesus. There was a bathroom near me. Heaven, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Prayers answered. Well, I get there and there's caution tape. The hell there is. Well, rip it right off of it. <laughs> listen, I knew they were doing renovations, so the whole bathroom was gutted. So the doors open, caution tapes a in hole front on of the it. floor. <laughs> uh, basically, the whole bathroom's mm-hmm. gutted. And I thought, oh no, this is a big building. The next bathroom's by the break rooms. Oh. So, also, you have to remember like, it's so weird how our human bodies work because as you get closer to the bathroom, it's like your body knows and it starts to like mm-hmm. relax and, and like release a little bit. You got to suck it back up. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, I don't know that I'm going to make it. And it's a long walk to the next bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll be able to leave out the back door <laughs> at least, you know. I don't work here anymore. That's no, exactly. I'll find a new job. And so I start, it was a weird wobble run. And I just took off. And I remember, like, on the way there, someone said hi to me. And I completely, like, blew past them. (laughs) And I was, like, having these sweats, like, these cool sweats. I mean, my shirt was, like, soaked. You're about ready to have an exorcism. Yeah. Like, by the time we got there, by the time I got there, I was just soaked. And I get there. Josh, there's tape in front of that door, too. Doors open. Bathroom's gutted. Oh. And I thought, oh my God, God, three bags. I want a trash can. (laughs) There's no trash cans. I swear. (laughs) This place is like paperless. But listen, and I thought, there's three bathrooms in this whole huge building. It's all one floor. And I just picked two bathrooms, and they were the two wrong bathrooms. And I thought, (laughs) there's one more bathroom. Please, God, let that stupid bathroom be open. I mean, they can't leave us with no bathrooms, Right. right? And I thought, I don't. I really don't think I'm going to make it. And I can either just go ahead and go outside and... Go stand in the tall grass. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can do what Josh did a long time ago. <laughs> just paint the door, you know. Or I can say prayers to every god I've ever heard of and wobble run to the next bathroom. Jesus, take the week. Yeah, and that's what I did. I wobble ran to the next bathroom. And I somehow made it there, too. And that, I get there, Josh. And I didn't see tape. And it was like God answered and a prayer. And a white light. <laughs> and yeah, I opened it up. Well, they had just remodeled the bathroom. Oh, you broke it in. 
listen. And as soon as I opened the door, the first thing I saw was this trough. I know. And I thought, oh my gosh, they've upgraded the bathroom to troughs. Gross. How do I use that? Is there ice in it, Aline? Well, that's what I thought. So I like I approached it and I thought, like, I'm shaken at this point. Oh my like God. my body is about to, you know. Release I, the cracking. It's about to do something, you know. And I thought, how am I going to use this? I have never used something like this before in my life. And then I realized that they were just sink. It was just a big sink. It was so bizarre. And then I, as I, I, I looked, turned the corner, and I saw that there were some toilets. Oh, thank God. I know. And I got into one of those toilets. I'm about stuff. to break this sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and there was some... There was some business made that day, Josh, and that there were some prayers said and some mess made. It was a hefty transaction. It was a hefty transaction. <laughs> I thought I was dying. Oh, yeah. Because you also have to realize up until that point, I didn't know what was wrong. I thought I was sick. You know, I thought, oh, oh yeah. my God, I have what those people get when they go to third world countries. <laughs> I have a worm. Got a tapeworm. Yeah, I got something. And it's, you know, it's changed me. I've never had this problem before. And so I remember at some point in time, someone entered the bathroom and they heard noises and they literally <laughs> turned around and left. <laughs> they're like, like, nope, there's yeah, a bear in the bathroom. <laughs> they're like, whatever's going on in here, I want no part of it. Or they thought that they, it was under construction and there was still, you know. Jackhammering like, yeah, in there. Someone, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So eventually, I got enough strength to get up off that toilet and leave, and I had to walk all the way back to my desk. And it my sounds st- like a come to Jesus story. I know. <laughs> and I sit down, and I was so faint, like so it took weak. Took a lot out of you. It did. And I was so weak, and then I realized, oh boy, I have to go back. So I had to run back to the bathroom. And I did the whole thing over again, but at least I knew what Which direction to go run. to. Yeah. <laughs> so I get back, and I was so like faint and weak and shaky. My supervisor looked at me. Her name was Patty, like Patty Mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. Patty looked at me, and she's like, Shane, do we need to call an ambulance? And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. So I, something, I must have something. Something's wrong. It came on me real and quick. And I sit down, and Patty comes over, and she's like, well, do you have food poisoning? What have you eaten today? And I said, I've not eaten anything but these granola bar things. And Allison looked over, and she's like, what granola bar things? And, of course, this is the girl that had given me those bars. And I looked at her, and I said, those bars you gave me. And she said, you haven't eaten anything else with those? And I was like, no. Bless him. I know. And she's like, well, Shane, you have to eat stuff with that. You can't just eat it by itself. That will get you sick. And my boss is like, well, Shane, you need to go home. You're going to regret that. You're going to get sick. You might need to go to the hospital. Okay. And I get thought, your stomach oh, God. pumped. Yeah. Well, and I thought, you know, I was sick enough that I was like, well, this is serious. I need to go home. And Allison, it was her idea. She's like, there might be a number on the box. You can call them and ask if there's something you could take to offset what's happening. And I was like, good idea. Fiber I'll go poisoning. Home. Yeah, I'll go home and I'll call that number on the box. So I go home and I get to my little apartment. And 
Everyone needs friends like this. I text one of my good friends. I sent him a quick text and I said, hey, I don't need you to ask me any questions, but I need some preparation H. Can you pick that up and just leave it at my door? Get you some tucks, meditated <laughs> wipes. <laughs> Grandma introduced really, me to those. Those are nice and cool. I've never even heard of them. It's I'm a really about. good thing that I didn't know Shane at this point, because if he had sent me a text like that, yeah, it it would have been, been a lot more questions. Yeah, there would have been a lot more questions. <laughs> he literally went to the store, picked them up, left them off. As a good like, friend. Good friend. No questions asked. So anyway, so I get into my apartment. I'm like, it was a bad, bad day. You know, a couple hours went by. I'm not going to walk you through that. It was bad. So I was laying on my stomach on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I call the number on the back of the box. And I get this lady. She sounds like she's from Georgia. Lovely Hi, lady. Y'all. Yeah. She's like, Hi, how are you? And I said, I'm okay. And I, I explained, I'm dying. I know. I explained to her that I had eaten one of those bars and I had gotten, I've been getting sick. And she said, Oh, honey, well, what did you eat with it? What have you eaten with it? And I said, I've not eaten anything with it. That's all I've eaten today. And she goes, Oh, honey. She goes, well, how many have you eaten? And I said, at least 12, maybe 13. And then there was a long pause. And I feel like she just muted me. And she was just like, Judgy. Susie, Susie, guess <laughs> guess what this man just told me? He just ate 12 or 13 of them bars. Never heard such a thing. Yeah. And then the next thing I hear, she goes, honey, over how many days have you eaten 12 or 13 bars? In a sitting. And I said, over a couple hours. And then again, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> mute, mute. Hey, Siri, <laughs> you know what he just told me? He told me he just ate these in a couple hours. What a fool. Yeah, and then I hear her again a little bit later, and she goes, honey, I think you need to call poison control. She goes, you have been poisoned. You have poisoned yourself. <laughs> That's what she tells me. You can't eat that much yeah, fiber. Yeah, that's what she says. And I thought, I'm not calling poison. So she, I got off the phone with her, and I thought, I'm not calling poison control. All I could think of, like, people in hazmat suits coming out to my house <laughs> and, like, sectioning off my house, <laughs> taking me to the hospital. We had a cousin working in the ER. That's all I want to do. Well, they just tell you how to offset it. No, I couldn't even imagine. I My, my worst-case scenario... Was I end up in the hospital, and then you know I would just oh my god I couldn't I just couldn't imagine, <sighs> I, uh, so I like had to go. Th- I mean it it lasted. I was in pain for a good several days. Oh my lord! I mean yeah, and but after that whole incident, several things have occurred. <laughs> One, the idea of consuming fiber shakes me to my core. <laughs> if I see something that says fiber on it, throw it in the trash, I'm not eating it. I take fiber directly marketed towards gay men. It's like, are you oh, a no. bottom and don't want to <laughs> mess to clean up? Oh, take no, no, these. No. <laughs> no. And in fact, when Kim had her colonoscopy and she had to drink that drink, I better not have, that, have to have ooh. a colonoscopy because they ain't going to get me to That's have a drink and some of, that, some of that stuff. You have to. You're well, supposed to it after, I think, 40. Any surgery or... 
Well, listen, so when Josh offered me that oatmeal with some fiber in it, it was that no, and my body, like my body almost shuts down. The idea of, oh, he he could almost consume that fiber. Oh, let's shut it down. Shut it down. It's like my my body just takes over. He can't make life choices, right? Let's just right. shut down. Shut down. Survival of the fittest. <laughs> <laughs> just shut it down. Shut it down. What the hell is this? But know. what's funny is back then, it was several years ago, back then, it wasn't made aware to me by looking at the box that you should only have one a day. Oh, yeah. Like, that's why they call it Fiber One. I get the brownies I every didn't once know. in a while. Well, back then, I don't even know that they had brownies. I think they just made them at the bars. But now, it's plainly listed on the box. It's because Only you. eat one. And I'm convinced, because shortly mm-hmm. after that, I mean, everyone in our office knew about this whole experience. Oh, I went back, everyone Don't knew. eat half a box. Yeah. And guess what they started selling in our lunchroom? Uh, fiber one bars. Yeah. It's a good way to start the day. Yeah. After Shane and I become friends, and I heard this story, of course, every time, being the good friend that I am, anytime I'd go to the grocery store, I'd take a picture of them That's and send them to something. you. Send yeah. Them, send them, uh, Shane, do you need any of these? Are you out? And then, of course, me being the, the great friend that I am, after I had taken those pictures of you guys the first time, all those years ago, I had a friend of mine put Fiber One bars in one of his pictures just himself. <laughs> it looks like I'm the spokesperson. It looks like he's the spokesperson for it. It does. It was. It's the best picture ever. You need to find ever. you an ornament or something. I'll have to see oh. if I can find that picture to put it on Patreon. But I'm convinced of two things. One, that they put the little warning on them, on the box and on the packaging, because of what happened to me. And two, I think that if you work at the call center for them, I bet that they make you listen to my call. Oh, for training <laughs> yeah. purposes. Training purposes. Now, this is what happens if someone overdoses on this, and then, like, now they probably have, like, a whole thing that they have to do if someone overdoses. They probably Googled well, you and f- found a picture of you and put it in a frame and have it hanging on oh their wall. God. If this man calls... They wouldn't know who I was, I don't think, because I did not give them my name. Well, you know what that means, Shane. It means you're a hero. I mean... <laughs> Who knows Saving how many people. people I mm-hmm. saved? Oh my god! If you were to have died, though, you would be the official face of accidental fiber poisoning. <laughs> Can you imagine that would be on my freaking death certificate? Oh, <laughs> accidental! Con- fiber. Oh my gosh! Fiber overdose. Crapped itself to death. <laughs> <laughs> the coroner would have got a. Can you imagine that scene? Oh my gosh! It would have been a hot freaking mess. Hot oh my god! Mess. Hot mess. But yes, that's you the didn't pay attention to Grandma story. enough growing up because she always, as soon as I st- saw her stirring that orange, is it Metamucil? Mm-hmm. That one crap. Uh, I, Grandma, what's that? It makes you go to the bathroom. <laughs> Although I used it when I was a little bit older, and I added way too much. And if you do, it kind of turns it into a solid. <laughs> <laughs> I went to go drink, and it was just. Right on my face. I was like, oh no. I didn't know that stuff did that. Yeah, I added it quite a bit. I'm like, I want, oh, it's, I thought it was like tang. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll make some really tart tang. Oh man, Ooh. do they still make tang? I think so. Really? At least online. Oh, no. But we'll have, to, we'll have to get some tang and yeah. try it. It's been a minute. I remember the orangutans on the commercial. <laughs> yeah, I used to drink tang a lot. I'm not even sure I've ever had tang. You've had it. Oh well. We grew up with it. I remember our childhood. <laughs> Better somewhat. than he does. 
At least what we ate. <laughs> that we ate this and we had this. You remember the green ketchup? Mm-hmm. My favorite drink from the 90s, and I would bring it to school every day in elementary school that we had them, and it was in a little clear glass bottle, and it was usually like wild cherry flavored, but it was a clear carbonated beverage, and it had the little Orbeez. I think it was called Orbits or Orbeez something. It had little like gel balls in it that would float around in it as you drank it. It was boba before boba was popular. Do you remember one time when we were young and our mom made us peanut butter milkshakes and you were using the bathroom, you were doing the number two. Yeah. She set Josh's down in like on the sink in the bathroom. I was using the toilet. And Josh comes out and he sets his down in the kitchen and he goes, I'm not eating that. And my mom was like, why? And he goes, it has poop fumes. I'm not eating it. <laughs> well, she like knocked on the door and I was like, just leave it in there. I'll be done in a minute. She's like, no, you have to have it now. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't want that. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> not in the same room. I will never forget that. We, we I was hollering young. at her like, poop fumes. I was a real germaphobic child. <laughs> I was a real clean baby. <laughs> I know. I remember any time we had to do yard work or anything that involved wood because we had a wood-burning stove. Uh. Sometimes Josh would have had enough of it if it involved getting dirty. So Josh would go inside to use the bathroom and he'd end up underneath the bed mm. hiding. <laughs> well, the manual labor, I don't like that wasn't what bothered me as much. It was just our uncle or oh. our grandfather were always so angry. Like, they were, yeah. do this, do that. And no, I will work for you, but at a calm, respectable yeah. tone. I'm Go not, get me these tools. And then, like, you have this anxiety of, I'm not going to remember where what did he tool say that it is. was. Yeah. And then, it, it, heaven forbid, if it wasn't yeah. where they said it was, yeah, it was, you dummy. Yeah. And I'm like, they go, look, well, I guess it ain't. <laughs> But no apology. Right. Like, I can't work under these conditions. I'm seven. <laughs> that Josh would go hide under the bed. <laughs> Leave me to the wolves. Grandma! <laughs> Why do you think I know how to cook, honey? Because while you... Girl, go in and help Grandma make dinner. She's by herself. She needs help. <laughs> no wonder uh, you're such a good cook. That's way... I would... I'm like, hmm... I can go work with mean old grandpa or I can stay in the kitchen with sweet grandma and help. There you go. <laughs> All right, Josh, you want to give us your mystery for the day? I will. God, y- y'all got me hot. Well, this thing and all this laughing's got my... <laughs> actually have body heat. Yeah, Josh, why don't you describe what you're wearing for those who are this listening? This is my Nutcracker toy. I'm not sure if it's Nutcracker or Toy Soldier, but either or. Or it's are they soldier. the same thing? A little so- Christmas sweater. And you have... Little hat on. I do. I love it. Ah. Antlers. Well, antlers. If you guys think this is much, wait till you see my Christmas episode outfit. Yeah, our next episode, Josh is going to have his little Christmas. The rest of it should be here tomorrow. I had to order two days shipping, but I should have it in time. (laughs) So excited. Is it a man? I hope. been months i hope it was buy one get one free because kim needs one too no oh. she doesn't I, i'll take both trying to of help them you, honey I'm trying to help you. <laughs> i'll take both <laughs> i was cracking myself up 
like always last right. night because I was watching the clips and stuff and there was one where you were talking about we don't king shame. Right. I was like, what else could we call that? And I was telling Kim earlier, I thought of, I don't want to stop no one slop. <laughs> I don't want to stop no one slop. Is that what you said? <laughs> that sounds so dirty. I love it I though. Like it. I don't want to stop, stop the slop, but stop the slop. I'm judging a little. <laughs> well, do you know how in bread it can turn blue and moldy? Well, apparently, if humans are in bread enough, they can turn blue and moldy too. Mm. But you can't tell much about a pie till you cut through the crust. So let's dig in. And I squeezed my southern phrase in early this episode. The mystery of the Blue family began when the patriarch of the family, an orphaned French man named Martin Fugit, which I had to look up how to pronounce that. It is F-U-G-A-T-E, and all week long in my head I've been calling it Fugit. (laughs) (laughs) Everything I've read in my head. Martin Fugit. (laughs) I was like, that is a great last name, but it's Martin Fugit came over to the U.S. and took advantage of the land giveaway in Kentucky to anyone who could build a homestead. Have you guys ever heard of these people? Yeah. Okay. I have not. He was given a spot in eastern Kentucky along the banks of Troublesome Creek. The creek, which runs through Knott County, was so named because of its nearly impassable game trail. Even experienced hunters could not weave their way through the valleys as large trees Creeping vines and misshapen stones guarded the pathways to the creek. Once he was established, Martin met a local woman named Elizabeth Smith, and they got hitched and had seven children. They were, what was the last name again? Fugit. They were Fukin. They were Fukin. (laughs) Fukin Fugits. Seven children. They were fooking a lot, Josh. Well, I thought, I was like, that is a lot of children, but our great-great-grandparents had 16. Yeah. Oh, Lord. And the 16th weighed 16 pounds. Uh-huh. Ooh, she bit right through that leather strap. <laughs> no kidding. Oh. oh, he's still alive, Uncle Johnny. Uh-huh. According to lore, Martin had a blue-tinted complexion, and four of their seven children was born entirely blue. Elizabeth did not have blue skin, but she still carried the gene. They weren't sure what caused the blue skin at the time, but if you know anything about Appalachia, you'll know superstitions run deep. What the couple didn't know is that both Martin and Elizabeth were carriers of a recessive gene that causes the blue flesh. The gene would usually have been diluted with time as family members married those who didn't possess the gene. But the Appalachian Mountains are vast, and there wasn't a lot of diversity in the haulers. So due to the isolative nature of their habitat, Martin and Elizabeth's children didn't look much further than the family reunion for spouses. Started fooging each other. (laughs) All kinds of buggets. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was so disappointed. I was like, I wonder if I better make sure. And they were like, Fugit. I'm like, dang it. What a wasted opportunity. Right. The hills of Eastern Kentucky were not kind to outsiders. It was hard to move there and harder still to leave. Thus, through the ages, the Fugits, <laughs> I still don't want to say it right, 
married other fugates while occasionally commingling with the Smiths, Combses, Stacys, and Richies. One of their sons, Zachariah, married his maternal aunt, and their eight children continued to marry into branches of the same family, which passed along the blue skin. So for nearly 200 years, no one knew what caused their skin to be blue. Some assumed it was a heart disease or a lung disorder, while others described it as a disease where the blood got too close to the skin. Again, these were self-educated hillbillies. No shame, we're from you. (laughs) Don't hate us. There were no other side effects to the disorder other than the blue skin. A lot of the family members would go on to live to be in their 80s or 90s. The inbreeding continued, though, even as the area's population grew due to those superstitions. A lot of the neighbors believed that the family were blue because of a devil, a curse, or that they were a different race. (laughs) I forgot I put this in here. I see trees of green, why your skin blue? Get away from me, man, I don't know you. (laughs) I shouldn't really write after a glass of wine. (laughs) It caused the family to remain isolated and rely on family bonding to reproduce. It wasn't all inbreeding, though. As time passed, many of the family met non-relatives and married them, finally. And the blue skin faded with each generation until the last blue fugit. Still, it's that my brain doesn't want to say it right. Until the last blue fugit. Benjamin Stacy was born in 1975, who was born a pale blue that faded within a few weeks, aside from his lips and fingertips that were turned blue when he was cold or even angry, mm. which would be terrifying. You see a man get mad, his face is red, but his lips and fingers turn blue. Mm-hmm. Damon! You remember what our grandma used to say whenever she was mad? I'm so mad my eyes are turning black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they look like it, too. Right. We got those eyes, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 1960 when a hematologist from the University of Kentucky began hearing rumors of the blue-skinned family roaming around the mountains that the cause was found. Madison Cowain, along with Ruth Pendergrass, a nurse from the American Heart Association Clinic in Hazard, scored the hollers for the blue people. Pendergrass had her fascination with the blue people since she gave a blood test to a woman who identified herself as a blue combs from Ball Creek. Sounds like a nice place. Cowain and Pendergrass went on daily missions to find the people until they were frustrated and near giving up. Then, luckily, a pair of siblings, Rachel and Patrick Ritchie, walked into the heart clinic in Hazard, and they were blue. And they found what they were looking for. At first, the doctor assumed that the family suffered from a genetic heart condition. He began charting the family's history and found no evidence of heart disease. He suspected from the start a rare condition called methemoglobinemia. Got that out the first time. That's a 10 mile long word. Methemoglobinemia, a rare but toxic form of anemia and can occur based on many factors, principally from abnormal hemoglobin in the blood. Don't ask me what none of that means. (laughs) However, when Cowing tested the pair for abnormal hemoglobin, the test returned negative. 
He then found a case of native Alaskans who seemed to resemble Kentucky's blue people. The researcher who treated the blue Alaskans found that they did have methamenglobinemia based on an enzyme deficiency and that this condition can be passed down through recessive traits. I am just so proud of myself for getting that name up. <laughs> I practice all week long. I'll make up for it. <laughs> I told Kim earlier, one of these days I'm going to pick an episode with words I could pronounce. Oh, I Names. Know. A Smith. Give yes. me a Smith name. No kidding. Instead, I pick Thuggets. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even right. I know. <laughs> the blue Kentuckians were found to lack the enzyme diophrase, which would help process the hemoglobin and keep the blood from producing too much methane. And from <laughs> the blue Kentuckians were found to lack the enzyme diophrase, which blah, 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 gave him blue skin. Mm. Science, science, doctor, just blah, 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 <laughs> blue skin. A plus B, right. A plus B equals blue skin. Read between the lines. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> While most people have a less than 1% methoglobin in their blood, the fugates likely carried a level of about 10 to 20%. Not enough to be harmful, but too much to have a normal skin color. This abundance of it also overpowered the ability of the red hemogloma to transport oxygen to the blood, thus turning the fugates and their descendants' ancestors' blood a chocolatey brown color. So they had blue skin and chocolatey brown blood. Wow. Seems... Sounds like a good kind of candy bar, like a blueberry. Mm. Calm down, Josh. <laughs> Chocolate-covered blueberries. Mm. <laughs> Lab or one. I was had that. <laughs> it seems that the enzyme deficiency began with the original fugates, Martin and Elizabeth, over the 150 years before Cowing's time and had trickled down through the many hill folks due to the inbreeding. Martin and Elizabeth both carried the gene by chance, and they passed it down until the 1960s when it was discovered. The doctor was eager to find a solution to their situation, though, and he did pretty quickly. To get the body to return back to normal, an electron donor had to be introduced to the body. And he basically started injecting them with a blue dye. I mean... I don't know what kind it was, but <laughs> safe enough to inject it into their bodies. He went ahead with a methylene blue injection, traveling to Richie's sibling's cabin in the former mining town of Hardbury. He injected Patrick and Rachel with 100 milligrams each of the fake enzymes, and within minutes, their skin returned to a pink color. By the end of the process, the Richies were all fair-skinned for the first time in their entire lives. He then gave the siblings the blue dye in the form of a tablet to take daily to maintain their new skin tone. Mm. So finally, the blue skin family could walk among everyone else and not have to hide any longer after 200 years. The ones in the family were incredibly embarrassed at having blue skin. Even during their research, it was noted that they were hesitant to talk, and when they would, they would, base, you know, people shrink themselves when they're around others. They just really didn't want to be around other people because they've been ostracized so long. Mm -hmm. Not much is known about the blue fugates outside of the work of Dr. Cowan. But others do carry the blue gene or have been turned blue by outside factors. 
In one case, a man named Paul Carson turned his skin blue by consuming and rubbing his skin with colloidal silver compounds to treat various skin conditions. He was even on Oprah with Dr. Oz once. Hmm. Today, if you possess any of the last names of the families I mentioned above, you could be a relative of the Blue Fugits of Kentucky, because eventually, once the train came to the town, they dispersed and moved her all around the country. Mm. So if you have any of those last names, you might be related to the Blue Fugits of Kentucky. That's crazy. <laughs> I do know you and I have a couple family members with the last name of Smith and Stacy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's blood relation or if they were, you know, like married in and that was right. their maiden name. Right. So, we guess we'll see you at the family reunion, but no funny stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was very intrigued. It was one of those, like, things I saw on Instagram. I'm like, blue people? That's got to be fake. I was like, oh, no, it wasn't. Why are they blue? Then I found out and was grossed out. (laughs) I'm like, what a mystery. Oh, no, ain't I want to be blue. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) That makes you think about the Smurfs. Right. Only one woman. (laughs) (laughs) What was that word that you had, Josh? Not not king shame. I don't want to stop the slop. I don't want to stop the slop. (laughs) I don't stop nobody's slop. I don't want to stop the slop. That's illegal. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm over here sweating. All right, Sings like an oven. Yeah, it looks like it would be. No, there's no way I could be able to wear something like that. No, I'd be dying right now. Yeah, I'd get five minutes in and I'd be passing out. <laughs> Ain't no heat leaving my body. <laughs> All right, guys, are you ready for my mystery? Yes. All right. Okay, so I'm going to take us to 2005 to a small town in a small country. This probably isn't how you pronounce either of them. But I'm going to give judge. it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. Fugit, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> Fugit, yeah. It's, I'm going to say Kisivo. The town is probably called Kisivo. The country is Macedonia. Kisivo. Kisivo, no. Macedonia. I don't know why I said it Italian. Okay. So, <laughs> why I said it Italian. Okay. So, again, we're in 2005. And my mystery starts when a woman goes missing in this small town, in this small country. She's a local cleaner, a local house cleaner. Suddenly, poof, she's gone. Now, soon after, they end up finding her body. She had been sexually assaulted and murdered. And her body, they noticed, was wrapped in plastic bags. Now... A man named Velado Taniski, and Josh, again, we can't pick easy names. (laughs) One of these days. Yeah, Velado here was a local journalist, and he starts reporting on her story. Now, Velado had been a journalist for more than 20 years. He was a pretty well-seasoned journalist. And one of the unique things about being a journalist in such a small town in a small country is – When you want to be a journalist, you have to write stories and submit them basically to not only the town newspapers, but also the country newspapers and try to get them printed. And so that's what he had been doing for a long time. 
for 20 years. He'd been writing about local stories, about politicians and schools, and getting paid on a per-story basis. Small country perks. Yeah. So when the woman's body was found, Villato realized, hey, here's a big story, and this just fell in my lap. So he starts interviewing and communicating with local police departments to report on the murder. He's even going to the victim's family's home to interview all of them to get the story. You know, I've been there. I've gone to victims' families' homes in order to do podcast stories for foul play. So I've been right there. So he started to receive a lot of praise for the type of stories he was creating. He was doing a lot of research, it seemed, creating so much detail around his reporting. It seemed like he was going above and beyond, you know, going to the homes to talk to the family members. He was leaving no stone unturned. He was just being very detail-oriented. So everyone in the town suddenly not only knew his name, but that was suddenly their go-to source mm. for not only this story, but suddenly any crime story and news story, he started having a name for himself. The first true crime podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> So over the coming few years, three more women would go missing. Two of them were discovered. One of them has never been found, to my knowledge. The two that were found were also sexually assaulted, and they were murdered. And the police discovered that these women were murdered in such a way that it was very similar to the first woman. In fact, all three were tortured and strangled to death. Heavens. Yeah. So very, very messy murders. So Velado, the reporter, starts reporting on every small detail of all the other cases as well, going to family members' homes, all of, this, all of the details, turning over every stone, being a very good reporter. His reporting started making him a favorite when it came to, like I said, any type of reporting. So he was not only catching the attention of all the people in his town, but all the surrounding towns, too, over his coverage. But after a while, the police started to get a little suspicious of his coverage. There were some details that Velado was sharing in his reporting, but officials knew that they hadn't shared to the public. And it's kind of a common practice for police to keep some parts of the investigation secret, you know, they want to know that only them and their suspect know certain details. And so they'll keep those details a secret. And because of that, that's when the police started to suspect that Velado knew who the murderer was. They believed that he was keeping the person's identity a secret so that he could continue to keep up with his great coverage, being that sole source because, again, he's getting paid per story. Like so Peter you know, Parker with Spider-Man. Yeah, suddenly he's the go-to source for all this information, so he's getting paid for it, and you know he's making a good name for himself. Well, something the police shared publicly was that all of the women have been strangled to death. But at some point in his reporting, he mentioned the detail that they were all strangled to death with a phone cord. And that was information. Mm. The police was like, hey. How'd you know that? We didn't tell anyone that. <laughs> How did he get that information? And they verified that the 
you know, the detectives who knew the information, none of them opened their mouths. So there's no one he could have gone to for that information. So they figured that he had a connection to the killer somehow, some way he knew who the person was and that killer was feeding him information. And then that is also around the same time that not only did he mention that, but he also mentions the specific type of phone cord that was used. I didn't know there were types. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. AT&T. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he mentions like the specific type of phone cord that had been used to strangle them. And at that point in time, they're like, hey, something ain't right here. So they go arrest him. And they're like, hey, something ain't right. What's going on here? Something. Yeah. So they start questioning him and they get a search warrant to search his home. His home is filled, and this is such a funny story. Like, th- I mean, <laughs> not as a whole. If you say no. phone cords, I'm going to die <laughs> no. right here. <laughs> no. What's funny they about found, all these people they being found a murdered? Phone. No, <laughs> you listen. animal. No, and all of the reporting that I found when they talk about this guy, right, they always mention this detail of them finding this at his home. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Okay. They say when they go to his home, they find porn. Okay. Not illegal porn. Porn. And I'm like, what? Does that make him guilty of something? No kidding. Okay. Well, I got okay. 11,000. <laughs> 11, right. All right. So I just, okay. Okay. I mean, they how don't, dare you? They don't say it's like torture porn. You know, like none of that. It's just they go to his home and they find porn. I'm like, that's proof of nothing. Just anything to make them seem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was probably knives there too, Josh. Right. Oh my gosh. OMG. Anyway. So, God, I hope I never, yeah, so please ever come I, to my house. In every news report that I found, which there's not a lot of reporting on this guy, they mentioned that part. And I'm just like, is that filler or what? Like, who cares that he had porn at his house? It's like some reaching for straws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had porn. I bet but, you there's 75% of the American population has more right. male population. Right, easily. Well, now people just don't keep it in print. But at yeah. that time, you people probably did. But anyway, one of the important things they did find that is more damaging than just having porn at your house or on your phone or on your computer is he had notes that he took about the crimes, like Mm -hmm. notes about specifics of each of the crimes. So what they discovered is, oh, he's the one killing these people. He's going out. He's murdering them. Then he comes home. (laughs) (laughs) Then he comes home and he takes notes to remember all the small details and so it would help him, like, remember all the details so that he could write better articles. So it's such a bizarre thing. And I'm just thinking, like, and all these, like, journalists who are writing about the story are like, leave out the freaking part about this dang porn. Right. Like, right. this is the important part. Like, the whole porn thing is filler that doesn't need to be in there. But anyway, I digress. Deviant. Yeah. So then they start questioning those who knew him, you know, as one does. And this was interesting. His wife of 31 years said they had an ideal marriage and that he was quiet and gentle. And it was her dirty video. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She said the only time she ever saw him get aggressive was when they were living with his parents. So he was never aggressive to her, it seemed. His co-workers said he was unbelievably low-key and soft-natured. So by all means, no one 
saw anything or, you know, sensed that he was capable of doing these crimes. That's not uncommon. Normally people who do these things, no one's ever like, you know, I saw that he was capable of that, you know? <laughs> right. Normally the people who we see as mean and rude, they're the people who don't go do these things, you know? It'd be me. <laughs> right. So police weren't able to come up with a motive. Like, why would he carry out these crimes? They weren't able to figure that out. There was no reason that he should have wanted to kill those women. The victims were all house cleaners. They figured that out eventually. All the victims were house cleaners. They did figure out that his mom, who had passed away, was a house cleaner before she died. All the victims were between the ages of 50 and 70, and all of the victims had a strong resemblance of his mom. So they all looked like his mom. They were all around his mom's age, and they all had the same profession of his mom. The police thought initially, well, maybe these women worked or knew his mom, but they could never make that connection. Mm. Eventually, they were able to link his DNA through semen of two of the women, and they were able to figure out that, oh, he's the one that did all of this. Now, what's interesting, so they arrest him. He's in jail. They figured out, okay, we have DNA. He's our guy. So bizarre. He's in jail, and there's a bucket. I don't know why there's a bucket. In his jail cell. Semen. <laughs> a bucket of semen. Is that what you said? It's for the semen. Uh, we need so more samples. There's a bucket of water in his jail cell. He drowns himself by holding his head underwater. They find him. His head is in the water. His hands are outside of the bucket. That's some determination. No kidding. It's very, my personal opinion, he probably, like one of his cell people probably killed him. I think that he was one of the first serial killers who was in the country. Mm. So they probably like. Nope. Yeah, probably killed him. But because he was going to be convicted, I don't think that they wasted resources on like, you know, proving it. He did, he killed himself. Yeah, they probably didn't have cameras in there, so they couldn't prove it, so. That seems to be the case because the idea of holding your head underwater in a bucket when your natural reaction would be to just pull right. your head up. That and that seems, had to be a pretty darn big bucket. It was a decent sized bucket. It. It, yeah, you could get your head in it, but you would have a natural reaction to pull your head out. I don't know that you could like forcefully keep your head in it. It's just a very weird situation anyway. I know you can drown someone in a toilet, but. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you it doesn't drown, take a lot yeah, of water. Right. Yeah, you can drown someone in it, but drowning yourself in it is, right. would be a weird situation. But he he drowned. He died. He did. So, yeah, so he did. He did. He did. They figured out that he, he did good riddance. Yeah, so, but they did connect all his DNA. It was the, the pornography mm-hmm. twisted his mind. <laughs> yeah. He would probably upset that they found all that porn. So did you see anything about, you know, maybe his mother abused him or any reason why they all looked like his mom? She cleaned too much. No, there was a theory at some point that he might have had a hatred of his mom or a disagreement with his mom. But it does seem, you know, one would conclude that he was targeting women that looked like his mom. 
So was it just to be a more famous journalist? That is a theory. That's the only some, motive I can Yeah, think some psychologists of. believe that it could have been a benefit. It could have also been a side effect after he killed the first victim. Maybe he realized that, oh, suddenly I have all this fame and that fueled him. So it was a side effect that maybe was unintended, but it actually fueled him a little bit. I don't know. You think an investigative journalist would know not to put details that the public doesn't know in the stories. Yeah, but the hard part is, is like when you, like I feel like everyone knows this, but when you have a lie, it's hard to keep your lie under wraps. Mm. And when in a position like him, he was always trying to sell these stories and try to sell another one and sell another one. And when you try to sell so much, you're you're just trying to add a little bit more detail here and there right. to get the next story out. And he probably enjoyed like these people have no idea that I did. Yeah, this. so I, I mean, think that was another part of it. He's trying extra. to trying to tease the police a little bit to see how much he can get away with. Oh, people edge all kinds of different ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did find a little more that I'll give away in our Unmasked episode that I think that oh, will good. be really interesting. And also in our Unmasked episode, we're going to play Fred's Frisky Phrases. Oh, good. That's my favorite. Yeah, that I was, love it. We were, I had not laughed at it so hard. Gosh, my ribs were hurting. It, was, it sounds so dirty, too. Mm-hmm. It was unexpectedly even friskier than what I expected. But I hope there's expansion packs. Oh or... my gosh, right. <laughs> Extra dirty. I didn't right. realize I still had the cards from the last time laying up here. <laughs> Just stealing them. Oh. All right, Josh. Well, what is your bless your heart for the day? Well, my bless your heart this week is an update of a well-known annual tradition. Most of us have heard about a little text mishap that happened in 2016 when a grandmother mistakenly texted an invite to Thanksgiving dinner to the wrong number. (laughs) Wanda had meant to text her friend, but it was Jamal who had recently changed his number that she texted. Once they figured out that they didn't know each other, Jamal asked if he could still get a plate, though. To which Wanda replied, Of course you can. That's what grandmas do. Feed everyone. Jamal said it was so unexpected, but she was so sweet about it. It was a reminder that there are still some good people left in this world. She is a very sweet lady. And from that, Thanksgiving Grandma was born. The tradition continued every year, and Jamal even began bringing his girlfriend with him. Wanda said that Jamal literally changed my life and my point of view on young generations and about being open to friendships when you think, You have nothing in common. But when you sit and talk with them, oh my gosh, he has my heart for life. This year, on Thanksgiving, the tradition entered its eighth year and Wanda and Jamal set up a way for others to even start joining them. They joined forces with Airbnb and two people this year had a chance to stay near Wanda's home in Arizona and then join them both for Thanksgiving dinner. Wanda and Jamal, bless your hearts. And thank you for showing us how wonderful connections can be made from a simple mistake. I look forward to your Thanksgiving pictures every year, and I hope you keep the tradition going for many years to come. I picked this bless your heart because, like I said, I look for the picture every year, and I was, <laughs> I wonder, and over the years, you know, it started with her and her husband and Jamal, and then he brought his girlfriend, and then 
Wanda's husband actually died a few years ago, I believe, from COVID. And so now you'll see if the picture, he'll be like, the husband's picture will be in the mm. background with them. I just, just two complete strangers and an yeah. accidental text. And he was brave enough to be like, can I still come? And sure, come right ahead. And right. eight years going strong and they're still Thanksgiving friends. Oh, that's, that's so cool. Cute. That was the sweetest thing. Yeah, I've never heard of it. No, I haven't either. Really? No. Oh. I remember it the first year it happened because I'm like, that is so sweet. Yeah, that's cute. Just every year around this time, I'm like, I wonder if they're, are they going to do it? <laughs> that's funny. Well, I think we should let the listeners know that they're going to get a, a Christmas present from us. Since we decided that the next episode is our Christmas episode and it mm. should be released the day after Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're going to release it on Christmas Day. A little That's early. True. Yeah. You can unwrap Merry us before Christmas. the present. There you go. We're going to be your Christmas gift. And you, then that's what we're we're going to do our Christmas <laughs> gifts that day. Yeah, too. we have gifts for each other. Yeah. Actually, like, they're all behind me. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I got Shane a nice Bigfoot little bag. Oh, I thought that was cute. just too cute. That is so cute. <laughs> yeah, on Christmas this year, you can be like Josh on a date. Unmasked and unwrapped. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Sorry. Well, are we done? I can yeah, go, go on ahead. and thank our patrons. We would like to give a special thank you, Jesus, to our loyal and brilliant patrons in your exceptional taste and podcast. Our newest one I saw this morning is a literal queen, that's her name, at least on Patreon, from the UK. We appreciate all of you and hope that you enjoy Unmasked. Don't forget to comment, too, that you want us to do a Ouija board slumber party at Kim's house. Be a good New Year's Eve mm. or New Year. Oh. Don't forget to follow Mystery Inc. or Instagram or join us on Patreon to hear our bonus episodes of Unmasked that we do right after our regular ones. Find us on both platforms under at It's Mystery Inc. You can also join us on Facebook at Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole so we can interact more with all of you. And we also have a new website. It's mysteryinc.com. There you can listen to any of our new episodes, enjoy photos of us, and even submit ideas for mysteries or positive news for Bless Your Heart. And before we end, I do have a little joke for us. Oh, let's hear it. I even have a prop in my pocket. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) A man walks into a doctor's office, sits down, and says, Now, doctor, this may sound kind of strange, but... I have five penises. Taken aback, the doctor asks. My God, how do your pants fit? To which the man replies, like a glove. (laughs) It's on backwards, but you get the picture. (laughs) (laughs) That thing was making me even warmer. It was keeping all the heat in my belly. I suffered for this joke. <laughs> and I have an extra little dad joke on. Oh, good. Let's hear it. But it's from this one is actually from Dolly Parton. I saw a video of her saying it to Jane Fonda on oh, the filming of Nine to Five. Do you know what's green and smells like Miss Piggy? Mm. Kermit's finger. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine Dolly Parton that saying so that. Jane Fonda cracked up in that video. <laughs> I, know, like, I love it. 
You have to look that up now. I think I saved it on Instagram. I'll send it oh, to God. you. Yes, please do. <laughs> well, well. All right. Let's if, start unmasked. Yeah. We'll see you guys on Christmas. Bye. Bye. Bye.